Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And it's been a long two weeks. Yes. Uh, maybe you've been wondering where we've been, and, well, I don't know. We've I guess come out from under our rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just decided to take, to take a break last week. Uh, we had classes on Tuesday last week, which is when we were we were kind of going to record. We realized we couldn't, yep. and we just decided it would be okay to, to miss a week. So no harm, no foul. Hopefully you didn't miss us too much. And so today we're going to be talking about, uh, as the title you can see, we're going to be talking about common grace. And so this is something I just preached on this past Sunday in our morning service here at Ammon Valley. If you want to go listen to that, you can. You can look up the Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church Sermons Podcast. Is it called? Yep. Almond Almond Valley Valley CRC CRC. Sermons, I think is what it's called. Um, And so if you want to listen to that, I suppose you can, but we're just going to be I guess picking up some of those themes and just continuing on the conversation. There's so much more that I could have said, so this will give us an opportunity to think a little bit more out loud together as pastors. And this is going to be a conversation I think that many people will be interested in because if you don't know what common grace is, it has a lot to do with how we engage culture, how we see our culture, um, even not, nature. Yeah, and nature and the world around us in yep. general and what our approach should then be. And so we should therefore start with the question, what is common grace? This will be something that many of you have probably heard defined before, but there may be a, a handful of others that, that have not really heard this talked about. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to start at the beginning and to set about trying to give a complete definition that will help people make sense. So... What do you think, Mark? How would you define common grace? Well, um, common refers to uh, the scope of it. Uh, it doesn't refer to the fact that uh, it's just commonly happens in creation. Hmm. Um, and, of course, the grace refers to the work of God. So um, the work of God is a work of grace in the world through, um, particularly through special revelation, we hmm. would say, through... Uh, the gospel through people, through the work of the Holy Spirit, people being born again, that's obviously the work of God in regeneration and in salvation. Um, the work of God in Christ it was dying on the cross, um, being risen from the dead, and that work is applied to uh, those who are elect um, throughout all time. And so um, that's the special grace that God gives by mm-hmm. grace uh, to sinners. And common grace refers to the work of God in creation, in societies, in individuals, in families, in schools, in, um, even in churches that are not preaching the gospel, um, mm-hmm. where God gives a blessing of, um, again, totally by grace, but enables people to, uh, to enjoy life, at least to some extent, or even to do 
something good against their own will. Um, Herman Bavink uh, talks about common grace as um, the belief that God is so good and so powerful that he can turn what man intended for evil into good. And so uh, you'd think of the story of Joseph and how um, obviously God was working in Joseph's life, uh, but he was working in all kinds of other ways. For example, he was working in Pharaoh's mind, who was, by all accounts, unregenerate, to listen to Joseph and um, pick his interpretation of his dream instead of one of the false interpretations of the dream. And so that's an example of common grace in the world where this man who was unregenerate, who was not born again, um, who didn't have the Spirit of God, was able to, by, by the grace of God, make a good decision for the mm-hmm. flourishing of his nation. Mm-hmm. And that's just one example. But I think it's a pretty good one of what common grace looks like in the world. Yeah. I'm just going to cheat. I'm going to use the definition <laughs> that I stole from yeah. a theologian named Sam Storms, who in an article for the Gospel Coalition wrote this. And he's very much riffing on a definition given by the great... Um, 20th century theologian John Murray, but the definition is this, common grace as an expression of the goodness of God is every favor falling short of salvation, which Mm -hmm. this undeserving and sin-cursed world enjoys at the hand of God. This includes the the delay of wrath, the restraint of our sin natures, natural events that lead to the prosperity or to prosperity, and all gifts that humans use and enjoy naturally. And so... uh, all the things that God gives, whether that's natural gifts like rain and sunshine, as Matthew 5, uh, 43 through 48 talks about, uh, but also the restraint of sin being a big one mm-hmm. and, and anything that humans enjoy. And so it's to say it's common grace is not to say that it's ordinary grace. No grace of God is ordinary. Mm-hmm. So it's not a qualitative statement, but it's a quantitative statement. It's saying yeah. that God's grace is given commonly to, to all people. Um, sinners and and the righteous to the good and the bad to Christians and non-Christians everybody has rain fall on their heads everybody has sunshine shining down on them mm-hmm. uh, regardless of their their spiritual status before God and so one of the big things that that this includes as Storms's definition points out is the delay of wrath um, and the restraint of sin natures the world is not as bad as it could be. And common grace seeks to explain how that is the case, given that the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. And so if the world's not as bad as it could be, then we should be able to see in our world and in our cultures and the people around us, especially um, in the church, but also even in, in in the outside world, the sort of secular world, mm-hmm. quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, that God is still at work and that his goodness is still on display and so there's lots of interesting stuff in Calvin about this. Um, Calvin doesn't go into too much depth talking about this idea of common grace. I think he only mentions it twice in the Institutes. Um, and so it's picked up later on in the, particularly in the Dutch Reformed mm-hmm. tradition with Kuiper and Bavink. Um, but he does talk a little bit about how there may be some some good things that people do some civic goods mm-hmm. while their motivations aren't, aren't oriented towards God or by God um, and by obeying God, but their, their orientations may be, well, if I treat my neighbor well, it'll go better for me. So it's sort of a selfish orientation, but at least God has made the world work in such a way that by treating our neighbors well, 
even though there's the incentive that that will help us better, that that actually does help keep societies afloat. That mm-hmm. sort of um, symbiotic relationship between our neighbor's goodness and our goodness. Um, and so yeah. one thing that Burkhoff and his systematic theology, he points out that one of the great ways that God restrains the sin of society is actually through public opinion hmm. um, of what's good and what's bad. Hmm. And so we always talk about with, with youth groups, I'm sure everybody does this, about peer pressure. We, th- we often think of peer pressure as being a bad thing. Hmm. Peer pressure can be a motivator for doing something wrong. You know, all your friends are doing the bad thing, so you should join them. But there's also the reverse side to that. If if your whole if all your friends think what you're doing is wrong or what you want to do is wrong, maybe you'll have less of a tendency to do that. And so through that that sort of public opinion, insofar as that public opinion lines up with God's law, that actually can be a, a good thing in restraining evil in a society. Um, but more and more as a society's public opinion gets astray from God's law, things can get worse and worse. Uh, But I thought that was an interesting point from, from Burkhoff. Yeah. These, these reformed theologians have so many applications and, and in a lot of ways they can see things pretty clearly that sometimes uh, with our own cultural lenses, we miss now, of course they miss certain things as well as we've talked about in other church history episodes. But um, another thing Calvin says about common grace is that, um, and I know it was uh, Joel Beakey, actually, who said this in a sermon over at uh, First CRC a few years ago on Reformation Weekend, Reformation Day Weekend, was that uh, Calvin noted that if the Lord is doing something good in the world and a Christian rejects that because it's from a, a tainted source, hmm. mm-hmm. um, that's not that's a rejection of a good thing God is doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, if we have a right definition of common grace, um, we will live with more joy and gratitude, and we'll see all kinds of things happening in the world that are amazing and the work of God. Yeah. Um, and it, part of the reason that I think it's important to talk about this is, um, occasionally I'll I'll just say um, maybe in a little bit of a offhanded way uh that the bible doesn't just say jesus died for my sins on every page you know Mm -hmm. obviously that is the central the gospel is the central message of the Mm -hmm. scriptures but there's so much more and one of those things that you find in the scriptures that in that more category is people who are very fallen and Mm -hmm. who are very sinful um and some of whom are not even born again, mm-hmm. and and it's quite clear in the scriptures, God can bend their will to create scenarios and circumstances for the thriving of His people, and that's really where you yeah. get to Romans eight twenty eight, right? All mm-hmm. things must, all things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, and so the all things would include mm-hmm. sinners who are not born again, who hate the Lord who don't trust him, who don't like the Bible, that even in those, uh, among uh, those people who are opposed to the kingdom of God, the Lord could show grace, Mm -hmm. a a temporal, practical grace that, um, again, the point isn't just to to bless me because the regenerate person, but Mm -hmm. to glorify God. Um, Even through those people, 
in this world in um, in some pretty profound ways. Yeah, one of the ways that this can get twisted then is that people can use this idea of common grace to say, well, wait, does this mean that the world's not as yeah. bad as we're being told? Right. Maybe the world's not so bad. Maybe Maybe the world's a lot better than we think. And so we should look at our culture not with a rejection of, of its sins, but really more of an acceptance and affirmation of it. Um, people aren't so bad. And so, especially if you have a high view of evolution. Yeah. So like that's to think that things are always <laughs> We're getting improving, better. Yeah. Yeah. And people are getting more and more improved. Um, which I would say in some sense, it's true that I think the world is becoming a, a better place. That's an yeah. argu- that's a controversial the, statement. The 20th century was, <laughs> in a lot of ways, pushed really back great. against that. Well, yeah. it was a lot of it was great in terms of medicine and longevity. Right, right, and, yeah. But it was like it's the worst century ever for war. Yeah, right? most so. deaths. I think. <laughs> so um, it's like, yeah, that, that I don't. You can't take anecdotes and just say whether yeah. or not it is. Yeah, yeah, it's much more complex than just saying right. it was one way or the other. But even theologically, to your point, yeah, yeah, uh, and so. That, that's how common grace gets very easily skewed is by people people can hear from it is that the world is really good as mark just pointed out that's not the case common grace isn't saying that the world is better than we think it is it's that god is doing more in the world than we may notice um, and that any good we do see in the world is not because the world is good or people are are good people but because god is a gracious god and so common grace and total depravity are not at odds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they fit right at home together with one another. Uh, the reformed view of sin isn't affected by a strong emphasis on common grace. At least it shouldn't be. And to the degree that it is, is, is it, 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 the, the more wrong we, we'll, we will get. Mm-hmm. Um, if we deny that sin exists, that people are people who do not know Christ, who are unregenerate, um, if we deny that they are, um, if we deny that they are good, then we should be. How well, that, I'm, I'm, if, I'm mixing we, my thoughts up if here. If we deny that they can do some good, yeah, we're minimizing here, the good that God might do through them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is that sort of what you're getting. I at think there? so. Yeah. So w- what this what this means is that we should re- retain a high view of, of sin's sinfulness, of its wickedness, but also not not uh, deny that there are, are, are any good things mm-hmm. that people are doing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this, mm-hmm. this leads to questions about, well, how do we then engage with culture? How do we engage with, with secular music? One of the things I talked about in my sermon this past week was um, do, should Christians burn their their secular music Mm -hmm. a lot of christian camps i've heard stories will have secular music burning parties where you you bring your music and you you throw (laughs) your cds in the bonfire or whatever if you've become a christian recently it's like that's the former life and there's a burning your nets like peter Mm -hmm. you know and there's some uh babylon b article about at some camp, the kids all threw their CDs in the fire at the same time, and some like fire demon came out and <laughs> roared one last roar before he faded out. Um, and so, but that's a big thing, and it's a reason that a lot of people like in your sermon, which is a, a great sermon. It it noted that some people leave the Christian faith because of um, they're told the world's evil, the world is evil, the yeah, world is evil yeah. all the time, mm-hmm. and then they they experience something good. 
yes. in the world by the grace of God. And it's and not they, as evil as they were told. Right, and they confuse the grace of God in the world for the goodness of the world, and then it sort of shatters the whole fundamentalistic puzzle. That is um, a great point. And, and so... Um, you just or, put it more clearly in those two, two or three sentences than I did in my entire sermon. No, no, I think... <laughs> um, well, it's important to think about... Um, Think about politics too. Like, um, yeah. I think that people with a more fundamentalistic approach to the world will mm-hmm. think, my party, my way of thinking is the good way. If you're a Christian, hmm. somebody might be tempted to think it is the Christian way to think. Mm-hmm. And the fact that totally. the Lord could do a good thing through a Democrat mm-hmm. or a Republican or an independent, or a socialist in another country, mm-hmm. or even a communist in another country, yeah. is, is um, beyond comprehension mm-hmm. for, for people who very dogmatically get stuck in ideological, fundamentalistic totally. categories. Yes, And so that's, to me, uh, one of the high points of your sermon was when you said, common grace really destroys and rejects fundamentalism. Yeah, um, And I would guess... If you're listening to episode 58 of Reform Podmatics, you probably aren't really a fundamentalist because we often do try to nuance things a lot more than a fundamentalist would. Um, mm-hmm. But there, there are. I get, I struggle with this matter personally sometimes. Mm-hmm. To I, I can lean more towards a radical two kingdom view, which this is the idea that there's the kingdom of the Lord, the city mm-hmm. of God, and there's the kingdom of the of man, the city of man. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're so far apart that they can't understand each other. They, that's a temptation personally that I have at times. And so it was a good sermon for me to hear that when I fall into that temptation, I am tacitly rejecting the grace of God shown maybe even directly to me through other people mm-hmm. or yeah, through nature or um, through a government or, or something like that. There, yeah. There's a lot of good that the Lord is doing and it's not just within the walls of the church. That's common grace. And that should be that that sort of good should be means for worshiping God. Yeah. More. Um, and, and another part of this discussion, which I didn't quite get to in my sermon as much as I would have liked, um, is how common grace and special grace are connected. Mm, yeah. Um, are are they f- sort of two different way, two different things altogether? Uh, God gives some grace, some common grace to all people, but he gives the special grace just only to some. Yeah, almost like it's a lesser grace Uh, or something. Yeah. The best theologians that I was reading on this, Bob Inc., Burkhoff, to name just a a couple, would say that they are two different ways in which God's single grace works in the world and that God's common grace serves his special grace, serves the purposes that he has for his special grace. So God has to sustain the world in order for his special grace to be given to those whom he has chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my sermon, I did mention towards the end the, the flood and Noah. If God had wiped out all of human creation, there would be no more humans left for God to redeem. But God had had a covenant. Um, well, he, he didn't have the obviously the Abrahamic or Mosaic yep. covenants in place yet, uh, or even the Noahic covenant in place yet, but God was going to send somebody to crush the serpent's head. Mm-hmm. That was that was a promise from God. And so 
Mm. That still had to happen. And so God didn't wipe out all of all of creation. He had to retain the human species so that his special grace would be in effect. And so God gives common grace uh, to create. He doesn't just wipe out the earth, start mm. over, be done, and, and start a new project. He keeps it going and so that he may continue to save those whom he has chosen. Um, and so I think in some way that points to the connection between common grace and special grace. Mm-hmm. Um, God has to sustain human life so that he can regenerate his people and, and bring his people home to be with him in fellowship forever. Yeah, he can fulfill his promises in that way. Yes, yeah. and so if he ruined the human domain, there would be no chance of, of saving any. And so that that is one way of explaining, I think, how the two fit together. Um, and so... Yeah, it, it, and God is at work all the time, everywhere. Right? Yeah. And so I think that's... <laughs> a little bit like the butterfly effect, you know, like they say <laughs> the butterfly that dies, uh, I don't know, far away. Um, if it, flo- it didn't flutter its wings one more time and then there's mm-hmm. no wave or whatever that goes in. And so it's it's like, it's a little bit like that in a way. That, yeah, everything's connected. That everything is so connected and it's beyond yeah. our comprehension how connected yes. our world is. And God is graciously intervening all the time yeah. in people's lives so that we're not as bad as we really could be. Um, mm-hmm. And so that total depravity, which is total in scope, is not absolute depravity in that we are absolutely as bad as we always possibly could be unless yes. we're born again. And so um, <laughs> with that with that little definition of common grace, you can really start, all of a sudden you're like, wow, your eyes are open to amazing things God is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I think, where the evangelical person probably struggles with common grace a lot is because we talk so much about salvation, which is good. Yeah. We should. Yeah. Yeah. We should be Christocentric and talk about conversion and trusting in the Lord, um, uh, believing hmm. that Jesus is the Savior of your life. Um, but we talk so much about conversion that we might minimize all that leads up to a person being born again, all that comes from it, um, all that, all the good that is happening in culture. Like I think um, hmm. even of uh, the prayer in, uh, in First Timothy about praying for leaders. Yeah. And what is the reason we pray for leaders? It's so that you might live um, a, a pure life, um, a sort of a quiet, pure, godly life. Yeah. Um, and presumably also we want godly leaders so that the gospel can continue to go forth freely in a society. Yeah. And um, those rights may not always be protected by Christians, but we would pray that they would be protected, um, you know, even among yeah. unregenerate people in mm-hmm. whether that's our local state government or national government. And so that's another example where God's common grace, we can certainly say, is over America today in that I can get up in front of our church and preach any text of scripture. Um, mm-hmm. And um, that's by the grace of God. That's not, that's not because, yeah. oh, we, we've got a system that we just <laughs> humanly figured out and it's just better than all the other countries. And like, yeah. um, that's, that's really putting a lot of credit in the hands of sinful people. Um, I would mm-hmm. say it's by the grace of God that we have rights and that I can preach and that yeah. we can do church like, and like not everybody do. has, has those rights. Yeah. 
Um, and so we should be thankful for them. Yeah. And, that, and to say that common grace is distributed to all people doesn't mean it's distributed evenly, obviously. Some people, if if if, if one thing of common grace is, is mm-hmm. God sending rain, some people live in drier climates <laughs> sure. than others. It's a good example. Um, but that, and some people have more government freedom mm-hmm. than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but God applies it to not just Christians, essentially, is the idea behind common grace. Um, what do we do, Mark, with, and I mentioned this in my sermon briefly, genres of music <laughs> that as a genre tend to be pretty opposed to the the Christian faith. So I mentioned hardcore music. I grew up listening to hardcore. I still listen to hardcore pretty occasionally. Mm. Um, I don't listen to it every day, but a few times a week, probably. Um, or like rap music or heavy, heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Um, how does Common Grace speak to these sorts of questions people may have? Well, I would, I would definitely. So just from your sermon, I would agree with what you said that, um, the Lord can work in the hearts and minds of unregenerate people who are not born again. I mean, that's redundant to say that, but that's just describing what an unregenerate person is. Um, yet at the same time, uh, I think that's pretty clear over the course of the podcast. I um, I think a Christian needs to have their eyes open to mm. the messages that they're consuming. So before we recorded this podcast, I was talking about the Beatles and <laughs> how I really love the song Blackbird by the Beatles. And um, it's got a powerful message. It's aesthetically just a stunningly beautiful song. Um, just Paul McCartney and, a, and an acoustic guitar is the whole recording. Um, but, uh, at the same time, I also need, uh, here, here's where the devil hmm. can come into the scenario and, and, and say, can the Beatles produce the song Blackbird that teaches about, um, civil rights, for example, which is sort of the message in the song. And that'd be a good thing. Yes, they can do that. Mm-hmm. That is by the grace of God that I learned something, uh, wonderful about human nature. Um, but that very next song you know could be uh hmm. about it could be helter skelter you know uh the song about just sort of things being out of control and that's just the way that the world goes and hmm. so you you have to i think have your eyes open to the message the words of a song um knowing god can use can bend things that are not not good into hmm. his will but also that uh, that Satan can cause uh, what what it says in Jude, um, the grace of people to think the grace of God is a license for immorality. That's yeah. what the Jude uh, the the letter of Jude talks about in one of its mm. first verses. And so, I would say to keep your eyes open as a Christian to um, listen to secular music to me would be permissible. Not all things that are permissible are beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really complicated thing, I think. And a lot of it has to do with um, how grounded we are in the gospel and in yeah. God's truth. Yeah. You have to know yourself. Yeah. yeah. And you have to know yeah. what you really believe. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to be listening to a Beatles album, and say you've never listened to the Beatles before, and you're listening as a Christian, 
and you're not just opposed to listening to secular music and so you're listening to it, you should be able to think through the, the, the lyrics and the message that, that is being put forth in a, in a discerning way mm-hmm. where you yeah, can listen to word. a song like Blackbird and say, there's elements in this song that are really good. Um, and then you can maybe listen to another song. Is Helter Skelter a song by the Beatles? Yeah, yeah, I didn't is, know yeah, that. Yeah. And maybe there's an, as n- that's not as good of a message there. Um, yeah, so. or Imagine by John Lennon, oh, yeah. right? I mean, that's like the worst, of course. <laughs> but um, that's so overt in its atheism yeah. that it's like obvious. I yeah. think the more sinister cases would be um, other songs that just cause you to to think the greatest thing in life would be anything mm-hmm. other than God. Yeah. Right? And um and so we should be careful about that. I mean, country music does that with beer in a pickup and yeah. um you know, it 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 so it's not just the obvious examples. Yeah. Um but it can be an idolatry of America, um an idolatry yeah. of pleasure, um yeah. an I- idolatry of particularly sex, you know, that can come through songs and so just to say, "Oh, common grace." You know, it's all it's all okay. That's yeah. just cheap grace. Um, yeah, and uh, and so to have your eyes open and be be a discerning person. Um, you quoted in your sermon, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever mm-hmm. is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about such things, and I probably missed a few more adjectives there, but um, yeah, uh, to think about those things and not to um, bury your head in trash. You know, just thinking, oh, you know, I got one little good thing out of it, and that was enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one example that I I think of is a band called Counterparts. They're a hardcore band. Hmm. They are, the the vocalist is a ardent atheist, um, and the lyrics often reflect his atheism. But there's a few things that make me really interested in this band from from his, a lyrical standpoint. One of those things is a open honesty about his doubts about faith, and he mm. you can tell he's really wrestling with all of it. And sometimes he says really sharp things against God, like God, if you exist, like I I hate you, mm. and if you exist, um, you you're pretty disgusting. One of the lyrics, if I remember correctly, is if we're created in your image, then your image is disgusting. Um, and he's that's more of a comment about humanity. Um, but there's also, in certain songs, a deep longing for it all to be true. And you see that. He talks about how he wishes he could have the comfort of knowing that his deceased friends he will see again. He wishes that there that there was something more than this existence, this materialist existence, which he believes. And so you can see his... It's more his, honest his in that hum- way you're saying? Yeah, you can see his, and you can see his humanistic outlook caving in on him at, mm-hmm. all around him. Mm-hmm. And he, he realizes that, but he's hardened in his atheism. And then there are songs that are just beautiful about life lyrically and about just the complexity of life that I think are really fascinating songs. Um, and so, yeah, some songs I don't, don't really care for some, some songs I really think are, are good. Um, and so that's an interesting test case scenario, I think for 
how does a Christian listen to a band like this? Maybe I should just stop listening mm-hmm. to them. I think that should be on the table. That should be something that's mm-hmm. up for discussion. Um, or maybe, maybe you can you can make an argument, and maybe I can make an argument that because this doesn't sound like a great argument, but I'm I would say I'm a pretty grounded Christian mm-hmm. theologically, and when I hear something that I really disagree with, I'm not like prone to just like think. Oh, what he's saying is it must be true, <laughs> right? Because I so, respect him, and he's a musician that wrote a nice. Yeah, song and so yeah. I, I sometimes I, you could you could say to yourself, well, because I'm a strong Christian, this isn't going to influence me this, the way it would for mm. a seven year old Christian, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> some a kid who's in second grade and has been growing up in a Christian household. Maybe they shouldn't watch this or listen to this or whatever well that's the appeal to christian freedom that paul gives right that yeah. uh for among the mature uh yeah. there there is christian freedom um you think of something like alcohol right as a that's a fair point as a worldly sort of physical example yeah. um that uh i personally have never never wanted to get drunk mm-hmm. i've never been drunk and if i go to a wedding it's. I think it's just fine that I have two glasses of wine at the wedding. Yeah, you know? and yeah. so um, uh, over the course of say four hours or something, um, that that's assuming I'm not at the wedding for twenty minutes. But <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but anyways, it's that, it's that's like an a, interesting point. Yeah, yeah. That's a really I didn't hadn't thought about it quite like that. Um, so maybe an, an argument could be made. I don't know how much I want to get behind this or not. That some, maybe some Christians just shouldn't listen to certain things or watch mm-hmm. certain things. Oh, and for sure. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit more leeway with other Christians. And so maybe that's part of why the Bible doesn't give us mm-hmm. explicitly clear um, rules for what we can and can't listen to or read or watch or well, we do, what have you. And we do that in other areas. We have ratings for movies. And yeah. uh, I do I think my kids should watch my favorite movie, one of them, uh, The Mission. No, I actually don't think that they should watch that movie. Yeah. Um, because I think it's probably too intense. There's some people who get shot with arrows in a jungle, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's pretty intense movie. Um, there's a battle scene at the end, and um, yet I would say if you if you're a mature adult, um, it, it would be a fantastic movie to watch. Yeah. Uh, and so, but again. It's not because the movie really isn't that bad, and it's just you Correct. have to grow up and enjoy it. You have to, you need a refined palate in order yeah. to. It, that's almost like putting the emphasis on the person and their ability to mm-hmm. we sort through what's good and what's bad. No, it's actually by God's grace. Hmm. Um, the movie is is has a lot of Christian themes. It's about missionaries in Brazil, and so hmm. it, it's very directly Christian um, showing kind of two alternating sides. It's actually a movie in a way about Kuyperianism and two kingdom theology. But, um, <laughs> but anyways, I don't think they realized that when they were writing it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but one could watch the movie and by the grace of God, see just, well, first of all, see mm. the beauty of it. Cause the music is awesome. Mm. The scenery is won the Oscar for cinematography. And, and so, um, I, I think that that maybe is an example of, it's still the grace of God mm-hmm. that he, worked through uh musicians and so forth to make a beautiful thing um yeah. and a non-believer i think would watch that movie and be like oh what a nice story 
but uh, somebody who is born again would watch the movie and be like, wow, there's so much I learned about God and so much I learned about human nature and uh, the sadness of war and the sadness of slavery and um, the image of God in people and and all of these things that the Christian can see in a movie that was made by Hollywood. So again, it's the mission. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Robert De Niro, Jeremy Irons, Liam Neeson. That is interesting. It makes me yeah. think about the, 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 the thing that you said about how we have a rating system. Some yeah. people are having to watch these movies and give these ratings. And there's a there's a website. I think it's a focus on the family website. I've had parents in the, in the youth ministry point me to it um, for as a resource for helping me think through like what movies I can show at youth sure. group if we're going to have a movie night or something. Kids in mind. Does and that. so... Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's what it was, and it will it, it gives you like a overall review. It says how many cuss words were mm-hmm. in the movie, or how many how many how people many, get shot. Yeah, things like that. <laughs> yeah. So you can sort of get a feel for for it. And so obviously, there's somebody who's behind the curtain, sort of watching these movies and giving right. their reviews and saying, "Yeah, this is okay," with some caution or "No, don't watch this movie" or what have you. Um, and so, yeah, maybe. Maybe there is something to that argument that it sounds really weird to say, but maybe it's okay for certain more mature Christians to interact and engage with a band like Counterparts, and it's not something maybe we everybody should be encouraged to listen to. Yeah, I don't have to do more thinking on this, um, or even a listening to a debate between a, a believer and a non-believer. If somebody's really fragile in their faith, uh, that could be a correct. Uh, it could be a good thing, but. Um, I might direct them towards a, a more overtly Christian message, a sermon, um, because, uh, again, mm. Satan is at work in the world, even though there is common grace, there is temptation in the world that is very powerful and very real. Mm. And so to recognize that also seems important. And so if, if, a, if like I listen to a, a debate almost every week, I love the Unbelievable podcast, and, yeah. um, and I try to be a little bit careful. I, I, I'm not really a... I don't really think I should listen to those when my kids are in the car hmm. because I don't know what they will hear and believe yeah. that I believe even. Um, yeah. And uh, you're stopping it every 10 seconds and yeah. Stating your position and then hitting yeah. play again. Whereas I did listen to a debate with my kids in the car about the subject of abortion hmm. and they were in the back and they were watching a different show, but they were, they just didn't understand what it was really talking about. And so, yeah, I, I think that that was probably yeah. permissible in that situation. So anyways, it all this is to say that in all of these scenarios, the Lord is sovereign. Hmm. Um, and he, not only sovereign, but he's gracious in um, taking what man intended for evil and turning it for good very, very um, often. And sometimes yeah. in some even immediately visible ways. Yeah. So that's common grace. Yeah. So, and, and to the extent that you can see things that are discernibly good in a hardcore song or in a rap song, uh, that should be something that we celebrate, not because of the goodness of that artist or mm-hmm. whatever, but because of, of God's goodness. Um, and I think also whenever we are l- interacting with these sorts of, you could say cultural artifacts like music or movies. Um, Common grace helps us to see what, what is actually good in them. And it helps us to see what's genuinely really bad. Yeah. And 
even those good things though, like if we see, like I said on Sunday in my sermon, hardcore music, one of the big values, it's often, it's a common theme throughout much of the music is a value on friendship and loyalty to your friends. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Christians would say thumbs up to that as a virtue. Um, But a lot of that, the reason behind that in the hardcore, in the history of hardcore as its own subculture is because it has hardcore has often taken an anti-authoritarian mm. stance towards government and towards the rest of the world. And so mm. if we're going to start be anti-authoritarian, we have to be stick we have to stick together yeah. and have each other's backs. You need community somewhere. And so yeah. you can see some of the the flip side of that good value. You can see the flip side of it and see the bad value and hardcore music is a it's loud and aggressive because it's anti-authoritarian. It is standing up against the systems of the world as they see it and saying something to it. And so that I would say as a Christian is something that is not good. Hmm. Um, and so there's, there's all these sort of things that you have to be very nimble with and you're thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the caution that I hear you giving is don't just baptize everything. Right. Um, yeah. thinking, Hey, it's, it's all good. Um, yeah. If something if something is aesthetically beautiful, then it must be morally good. No, that's not mm-hmm. really um, the argument yeah. that common grace makes. That and that's the caricature. Yeah. So if we fall into yeah, the totally caricature of common grace, and uh, which is what, so a hyper Calvinist uh, who would reject the doctrine of common grace, um, you know, they love to quote Jacob, "Have I loved Esau? I have hated," hmm. and um, to them that sets up a two kingdom like. Okay, mm. there's the good people and the bad people. There's yeah. the pure people and the evil people. Um, mm. And uh, obviously that's uh, that's not a, to me it's not an overall biblical way of approaching the world. I, yeah. I agree with the text, of course, that, that the Lord favored Jacob and rejected Esau. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't think that that necessarily means that every unregenerate person is as bad as you could be, and every regenerate right. person is just merely morally pure mm-hmm. as the driven snow, right? So correct. So given that we we sort of deconstruct that fundamentalism, um, we need to think sometimes in a nuanced way and be about, very discerning about about things. Yeah in the culture. Yeah. And uh, that will m- mean kind of knowing when to give a thumbs up to something right. and even a thumbs down, maybe even at the same song or the same band or the same, same movie. Um, and another thing to say here is that just because, and some people may say, well, stop listening to that secular hardcore mm. music and just listen to that Christian hardcore music. <laughs> that doesn't really help no. move the conversation forward. There's plenty of terrible, Christian theology being put forward in, by quote unquote Christian hardcore bands or um, Christian music in general. Yeah. yeah. And there's, and still a lot of those themes of hardcore that I was getting at earlier of brotherhood, but also an anti-authoritarianism, all those larger themes are still there in the same subculture. This is what uh, it's interesting to me how often Christian rap gets used mm-hmm. here around town and different things just because it's well, it's rap, everybody likes rap before a football game or whatever, but if we do Christian rap, then we can sort of baptize it, but there's plenty of themes that aren't good mm. in, in rap either. Rap has some really, rap is about a struggle as a theme, as, or as a genre, it's mm-hmm. about a struggle against, as a certain people group, as rap is 
predominantly a black urban cultural s- expression. Yep. Cultural yep. expression. Yep. And so there's a sort of common bond of struggle against systemic injustices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is that so, there's there some good things there? Sure. And then rap sort of brings a community together, but also rap is very uh, it just it sort of markets itself by being pretty self-centered and proud. Um, rap has this sort of air about it of mm. being proud about yourself, um, of being cool, of being smooth, um, of being tough often. Not all rap, of course, I know, yeah. but as a genre, that sort of has a chip on its shoulder, mm. just the whole sound. And so... Yeah, just like heavy metal and other yeah, expressions. Heavy too, metal is same. very much yeah. just a destruction of all things. <laughs> um, and so it, it's it's all... You have to think about it on those levels. Just because it's it's Christian rap mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not fraught with its own things. But no genre isn't fraught, you could say. And yeah. so... Yeah, yeah. Some are some struggle with sentimentalism, and others yeah. with um, idol, sort of idolizing love, right? Um, yeah. And so I, I think I, I hear that point for sure, and I, I maybe that's where we can conclude is to say God is at work in the world in amazing ways, and we call yeah. that common grace. That <laughs> that's a good place um, to end it. Yeah. And yet at the same time, to have your eyes open, and just mm-hmm. as you did really well in your sermon, Zach, to to hate the world, the things of the world, the ways of the world that are opposed to the way of Christ. And so yeah. um, it's, a, it's a little bit complicated, and that's life. <laughs> so yeah. in, a, in a way, it can be kind of freeing and encouraging to recognize the world is complicated. Yes. And God is at work in the world, but so is Satan, so yeah. is evil, um, and... Uh, Thankfully, our uh, our king wins in the end, and so. Um, he, but that's just not an eschatological sort of end times way of thinking. But common grace mm-hmm. turns it into he's an authority now, and he's blessing so many people, really all people in in many ways now, um, especially the church through the gift of Christ, the gift of salvation. Yeah, so. he is making all things new yeah that is the hope and so yeah we hope this has been helpful for you maybe it's confused you more than it has (laughs) has uh, helped bring things to light but um hopefully it has been an encouragement as you begin to think through how we as christians seeking to be faithful to christ can live in this world uh, that is not yet redeemed completely by christ so thank you guys for listening we'll be back hopefully again lord willing next week with another episode so until then grace and peace see you